0: In the very next morning, they called me back um, and said, we don't want you to um, have to, you know, wonder about this another night. We couldn't wait to tell you. We'd like to give you a a million-dollar gift.
1: Welcome back to One Visit Away with your host, Kevin Fitzpatrick. This show focuses on true stories of philanthropy in order to understand what it takes to succeed in major gift fundraising. Listen to these stories, and you'll realize you're just one visit away from a transformational experience for your benefactors and your organization. Welcome to another episode of One Visit Away. I have just finished editing this podcast episode. It is 11 p.m. here in Dallas. Uh, That might not seem late to many of you, but I am an early riser. I was up around 4.30 this morning, and so 11 p.m. is very late for me, but I am up and I am excited because this episode is freaking awesome. This episode with Laura Crowley, our guest this week, is one of my favorites of all time. It is everything that I wanted One Visit Away to be when I started this podcast, and it is just a tremendous episode. I learned so much Laura shares some incredible stories. You're going to laugh. You're going to cry. You are going to be inspired to go out and schedule more visits. You're going to hear stories about seven-figure gifts. You're going to hear a story about a, one of the funniest visits and kind of craziest visits of Laura's career. And you're also going to hear an incredibly powerful story of a woman who wanted to do something very meaningful with her wealth before she died of a terminal illness. This is a phenomenal episode. I know you're going to love it. I'll give you Laura's background. I got to know her uh, through LinkedIn over the past couple months. She's been a fan of One Visit Away and is now, I know, going to be one of our most popular episodes of this year. But Laura serves as the System Director of Donor Relations for Baptist Health System in Kentucky and Southern Indiana. She leads annual giving, planned giving, and donor relations strategies for the Nine Hospital System Philanthropy Program. And guys, always, if you haven't done so yet, go ahead, leave a rating and review for Apple Podcasts. This month, uh, last month, we had our first month of over 1,000 downloads. This podcast is going to continue to grow. And if you could go ahead and leave a rating and review, that helps tremendously in new people being able to find the show. So thank you so much. I hope you enjoy this incredible conversation with Laura Crowley. Well, welcome to One Visit Away, Laura. Thanks for being here.
0: Hi, Kevin. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. So if you could tell everybody who you are and what you do.
0: I am Laura Crowley and I am the System Director of Donor Relations for Baptist Health System in Kentucky and Southern Indiana.
1: That's awesome. And how long have you been? How long have you been doing that? And how did you get into the world of fundraising?
0: So I've been in my current role for about two months now. Um, I've actually been with our organization for about 17 years and in the world of philanthropy for about six years. Um, My early days, I started out on our marketing team doing a lot of digital marketing and community relations. Um, and transition into philanthropy um, when an opportunity came up a few years ago that just it, it sounded like a nice change of pace. And, and you know, something sparked my curiosity about getting to to know people on a more individual level than, than really communicating to the masses.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. And this. So uh, speaking of communicating to people on an individual level, this leads me to uh, talking about. I think you have a superpower which we discovered in our the first time you and I talked after we got connected on LinkedIn you revealed to me that uh you are different from just about every other fundraiser I've met most people their most terrifying moment is making the phone call to schedule the visit and you have no problem making the phone call yours is more once you're in front of the person so I just have to point that out to everyone that uh
0: Yes, and do you know I've thought about that since we talked about it, and and I saw where you pulled that on LinkedIn because I thought surely somebody else was out there like me, but I I don't know what it is. That phone call is not the the point of the most anxiety for me, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's (laughs) funny. Yeah, I mean it's just funny how we all have our different things that are you know we're comfortable with or more challenging. So I'm very interested to hear. We can jump right in. Uh, let's get into the, the part you're usually less comfortable with, which is going to see people in person. So if you'd like to start out with maybe just like one of your favorite visits that you've ever been on.
0: Yeah. You know, so that is, it is funny because I did share with you, it's it's getting ready for that first initial visit that I think is the point for me where I get the most butterflies in my make the most nervous. Yeah. Um, and especially in that first year or so of doing major gift fundraising, you know, you, you've kind of got to hype yourself up really to, to get to know this person. And you've done your research. You know what you're there to talk about. Um, and nine times out of 10, you know, you're put at ease immediately. Um, yeah. It was one of my very, very first visits. I, I work in healthcare. Um, so a lot of times we're talking to people, you know, about how our organization has served them or how it's impacted them. And um you find some really interesting details and some very personal um moments that people are sharing with you. And in one of my first visits, I had connected with a mother who had recently used our NICU services. And I'd known she was there, I'd known that it had been a very um kind of hit or go go ordeal with their child. Um, But when we connected, um, she opened up and just shared immediately their entire story from the delivery to the transport to our services, their NICU stay, the follow-up care. And, you know, throughout this, she's just, filled with emotion and me as a mother, myself, um, putting myself in her shoes. I think by the end of lunch, we were both sitting there in tears. It was for me. I think that was the first moment in major gift fundraising that I realized just what power there is in developing relationships. You know, this, this is more about relationships and, and, finding people's passions than, than just about having a conversation about fundraising, you know? And I think that was a light bulb moment for me, just Mm. hearing how we had impacted her and knowing how grateful she was and how she felt compelled to do something to give back for other mothers in her situation.
1: Yeah. Wow. So, so how do you wind up uh, like getting the visit scheduled with this person? Was it um, yeah. Like how, how, how was she on your radar?
0: Well, so she actually was put on our radar because um, there were people in our community who had mentioned to me that they were um, a NICU family, that they were, um, you know, using our services at that time and that they had continued to express to them just how grateful they were for our physicians. And we have a couple of neonatologists who are just absolutely amazing. And they continued to tell everyone that they knew just how grateful they were and how they, um, you know, wanted to be able to do something to show their appreciation afterwards. So a few people had reached out to me and shared that with me. And, um, it just, it felt like a natural connection after that. You know, when you hear that somebody is, is interested in supporting your mission, you know, they, they get yeah. put on the radar.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. So can you, can you share if they wound up giving a gift to your organization?
0: Yes. Not only did she give a gift, um, but her parents did as well. So after we connected initially, um, we invited her to a few other NICU, um, events where she could share her story. She actually ended up joining our patient advisory council and became very, very connected to our organization. She still volunteers with us today, but, Through the conversations along the way, um, she introduced me to her parents, who also told us that, you know, we had just been there for them in a time that they had a great need and really exceeded their expectations. And they wanted any other family, any other grandparent um, that experienced that to, to be able to have the best of services. So they wanted to be involved, too. So. Yeah. It actually became where we got to know the family and their extended family um, very well. We've actually got to watch her son as he's growing up and hitting his milestones, and um, wow. it's just been a, a neat journey to be a part of.
1: Yeah, that that's phenomenal. And so there's there's so many things I want to comment on, but I'll, I'll ask you one more question: um, Did w- when they gave a gift, did they just like they decided, hey, we're going to give a gift, or did you ask them for a specific opportunity?
0: No. So I did ask them for a specific opportunity. So when we first met and she shared about their NICU experience and, and it, you know, it was very apparent right then that that was their passion, you know, when it comes to health care, yeah. so many different opportunities, whether it's cancer, cardiac, anything. Um, NICU was very apparently her her top priority And you know, I shared with her some ongoing needs that we had for the NICU, and made a very specific ask, you know, to support the services for this reason. And um, without hesitation, she said yes.
1: Wow! And and was that on that initial visit?
0: It was not. No, that actually occurred over a series of about two or three visits. I think it was the third visit. Okay.
1: Mm -hmm. Awesome. So, man, this is such a great story. And there's. There's so many like learnable opportunities in this. And so a few things I want to comment on. One, that thing you mentioned, like you loved this visit so much because it was one of your first and it made you realize like how personal this type of work is. And uh, you can have that, you know, level of connection that almost never happens in any other type of work. You usually don't wind up speaking to your accountant about uh, you know, deeply personal uh, matters, and and it reminds me of t- two of my clients in my coaching business have experienced this recently as they're starting to see people in visits. Like both of them had, you know, crying visits with people where like you wind up talking about really personal stuff that matters, and and for everyone to understand, like you. The reason this is so important is you understood why they cared about your organization, Uh, not only like what it did for them, but why it personally matters. And, you know, they had a child that was very sick. And then they didn't just give a gift because they were moved. They gave a gift because you were guiding them down the path towards knowing how they specifically can make a difference And this is something that a lot of people just get wrong is they think that if somebody knows about the organization and they love it, they're going to give at their capacity. And that's just not the case. Unless we present them with that opportunity, it's just not going to happen. So that's why I was asking if you had specifically asked for a gift. And of course the answer was yes. So well done.
0: Well, thank you. And I I do think that's a great point. I think sometimes new you know, new philanthropy officers are on the outside looking in, you know, it, it seems simple, right? People are grateful. Um, you work for an organization, and they give it their highest level. And that's not often the case. It, it's very much a development process where you're learning their passions, and you're finding specific needs, and, and you're just matching them together. And at the end of the day, you do have to be very specific in your ask, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. how you're going to make the most high-impact opportunity. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So as you're, as you're talking about this, one of the things we, we were saying offline is you're the first woman that I've had on the show in like quite a while. And it's reminding me to, to ask this question. I haven't asked of our guests in a while. Have you, has it happened to you ever or with any sort of frequency that someone gives more than you've asked for?
0: One time, actually, and it is still my largest gift to date. Whoa! Um, yes. <laughs> okay,
1: well, well, you you can give us the full story of this if you if you'd like to, because this sounds awesome.
0: Yes. So this uh, it's truly truly incredible. Um, but we actually had been working recently on um, the renovation of our postpartum and pediatric units, so our mother baby renovation. And I had met with a donor. Um. We had done a feasibility survey, you know, and um, knew who we were going to talk to. And I met with a donor who going into it, I had an idea of what I was going to ask. And we sat down. He asked some very thoughtful questions. And we talked about his experiences with our organization. We talked about philanthropy and what that means to him and his family. and throughout the conversation, I asked him, you know, if a $500,000 gift, if that would be something they would consider. And he said, yes. And um, he said, though, you know, however, this is something that my wife is going to have to weigh in on, too. Um, it will ultimately be her call. And You know, That's um, great because throughout the conversation, he did share a couple of things with me that I think as as a fundraiser or as someone in our work. You always want to hear, which was, you know, this project is very much a passion of ours. You know, so we knew it was the right project. And he talked about what an important um, thing it was to them to to leave a legacy in our community. Community is very important to him. And so it was a very great conversation. I leave feeling very good about where we're going with this, but um, go back for a follow-up meeting with him and his wife. And I sit there and talk to them a little bit about our services. They share some of their previous experiences. You know, she's a mother of three and also has grandchildren and great grandchildren. So we reminisced about all of these opportunities with this family and um, I had put together a proposal for them and I went a level higher, you know, than what we had discussed. And she didn't really give me a whole lot in the conversation. So I, I left kind of feeling a little unclear as to where we were going to go. And the very next morning, they called me back um, and said, we don't want you to um, have to, you know, wonder about this another night. We couldn't wait to tell you we'd like to give you a, a million dollar gift for your project. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I know. It was, it was just more than I could have even imagined. So,
1: wow. Yeah. Man, and I'm sure you were just like, oh, I, I could have waited another 10 days. It wasn't... Uh... I wasn't stressed out at all.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, you, you want to play it cool, but at the same time jumping up and down on the phone. <laughs>
1: that is so cool. Wait, so so I, I'm just curious, how did they did one of them call you or were they both on the phone? How did that work?
0: No, he actually called me. So okay, that very next right right. morning he had called me um, and just said, We we don't want to keep you waiting. So,
1: wow. Yeah, that is so great. cool.
0: Yes. And they've been such wonderful supporters of our organization since then, too. I mean, we've, you know, again, with every gift, it's so funny to watch that relationship develop because we've been able to bring them in, introduce them to so many other physicians and and the team on that unit that they're supporting. And I think when you make those connections for them, he shared with me in a recent conversation and um, when I'd introduced him to the director of that unit, you know, he said she played a big role in that gift. Her passion for what she does, yeah. you know, it inspires us.
1: Wow. That's yeah. so cool. That's awesome. <laughs> that so uh, a- another seemingly like very detailed question. So he told you, ultimately, this is going to be my wife's decision. And then you got the n- the next visit scheduled. How did that Like, how did that work when you got the next visit scheduled? Um, Did you specifically say something like, oh, I'd like to visit with you and your wife this time? Or like, how did that come about?
0: So when we left that meeting, um, he said that he went in to have another visit with he and his wife. And so I just said, "Okay, let me know when works best for you. And so that follow up meeting then just we... Met I think about a week later at their home, and wow. all sat there and talked about it together. Um, Man,
1: so this this was fast. Like from the time from the time you first asked him for the the five hundred thousand until the time they committed, we're giving a million dollars. It sounds like that was like eight days or something. Like
0: <laughs> it was. Now there there was. I don't want to oversimplify this. Yeah, yeah. There was. <laughs> He and I had been in conversations prior to that and, you know, he was very acquainted with our organization and um, even follow up, you know, the next steps with um, working through the gift agreement and things like that. It, it took about four months total um, through that process.
1: Wow. That's so cool. That's a great story. Um, Yeah. So I love, okay. So, so you asked for 500 originally then you increased it, but then they went on top of that to a million is what they what they yeah. committed. Yes. Okay, so so this this is the, the reason I asked this question is because everybody's afraid that they're going to ask for too much. Uh, that's like a, that's like a fear of new development officers is we're gonna ask for too much and they're gonna get upset. And mm-hmm. so I always ask people, have you ever asked for a gift where someone gave more than you requested? And usually the answer is either it's never happened or like you, it's happened like once. And the point of that is just to illustrate if we're not asking, like, like whatever we ask for, it's always going to be that or less, you know, 99 times out of a hundred. Yes. And so, yeah, I, I'm always wanting to just like give people the confidence, like ask for more money. It's, it's better for everybody in the long run.
0: And it really is. And I know um, among our team, we have a lot of young new philanthropy officers and we're talking about different scenarios and coaching and things like that. And that's one common topic that comes up. Um, You know, sometimes people are hesitant to to ask um, and and you just have to remind them. And in all the years, and I get it my first few visits, I was terrified too, but In all the years I've been doing it, no one has ever been offended for asking. At yeah. the end of the day, they know what we do, you know, and they right. know why we exist. And um, if anything, I think sometimes people are even flattered, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I mean, to <laughs> to ask for a million-dollar gift implies that you're the kind of person who's got a million dollars to spare, which is... a uh, yeah. Pretty cool. Um so yeah, that's that's awesome. I love that story. Uh any <laughs> any others you'd like to share?
0: Well, you know, so I was thinking about some of my most memorable visits recently. And um I always come back to this one donor that we had we've worked with several times throughout the year, but just how we got to know her, we were in the middle of a capital campaign. Um, and we had just recently gone public. And so she had seen a little bit about our organization um, and had been working with um, a local attorney on on some of her estate plans and things and asked her, you know, what she knew about the foundation at our organization. And um, her attorney, you know, asked her if she'd like to schedule an introduction, get to know us a little bit. And she said no. She wanted to remain anonymous. And um, she wanted to give this more thought, kind of sit back and observe. Well, we were hosting a, a dedication ceremony about a couple of weeks later. And just through her attorney, let her know, you know, we're hosting this, the public is welcome to join us. We'd love for you to at least see no pressure to introduce yourself, but you know, you're more than welcome to see what great things, you know, philanthropy is doing at our organization. Well, and um, she attended the event and um, almost immediately self-identified. And it was so funny um, because, you know, a lot of times, you, you know, your community and you know your people well. So, you know, most of the people in the room and she was brand new to us um, brand new to our organization. We didn't know a lot of history or anything. Um, but as we got to know her. We found, you know, she was a retired PE teacher living in a, in a farming community. Um, she lived several counties out. But what we found out was that she had family ties to our organization. Um, the land that our hospital was built on was purchased from her family. Wow. On our land, there is a tree. Um, it was a tree that her great grandfather had planted when her father was born. Wow. And the contingency when they sold that land to us was that we could never do anything to that tree. Wow. And so if you go walk through our campus, there is one lonely tree in the middle, in the very middle of a parking lot. <laughs> um, you know, that we have heard so many old wives tales and stories about <laughs> through the years and to why it's there, why nothing can touch it. And um, through getting to know her, we were able to shed some... History on that and, and do some fact finding. Um, but we took her and showed her the tree, and it's, you know, it, it looks like something in a Dr. Seuss book. It is not um, something big and beautiful and thriving or anything. It's just a tree. But we took her over there and we showed it to her, and we, um, you know, introduced her to some people that had been with our organization in the very beginning, and we talked about the history and she reminisced about her family and where her dad had ridden bicycles up and down the street, you know, prior. And it was kind of watching her go back in time and watching her reminisce about her own family. Mm -hmm. Um, That was really kind of a magical moment for us. Um, But from that point, we were able to talk to her about uh, some of our ongoing needs with that capital campaign And she ended up giving us a seven-figure gift in honor. Wow. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) You never know who is out there and who might have a connection or an interest in your organization. You just don't know unless you're out there actively trying to engage in conversations and in new people, you know, that's one of those things that, we, we lay out our strategies, we lay out our plans and our portfolios, you know, and, and we're always thinking and looking ahead that sometimes there are people out there that you never know about and they can have the biggest impact. And since then, she's worked with us on multiple initiatives, um, but it was that tree, you know, of everything, not the, not the saving lives, not the babies being born, not, you know, anything to do with our services, but it was a very personal tie.
1: Wow, that is so cool. That is one of <laughs> that is one of the coolest stories I've heard on the show. Yeah, I mean the man. Yeah, just Granny, the retired PE teacher, living three counties over, just drops <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> a yes.
1: seven-figure gift. I can't. Uh, first off, I can't imagine like how she feels to do that because it sounds like she's the kind of person that nobody knows she has that kind of money. Um, and so just to like show up randomly and no, no one knows you're really wealthy and then just here you go. Uh. I,
0: know. I think about that sometimes from her perspective, I'm like, how cool is it to show up like that? You know, no education yeah. or anything like that. And yeah, it, it was just something I don't think I'll ever forget.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and stories like this, like, I I don't want to make it this point so much into we should do this because then we get a lot of money. But this just is one of many reasons as to why you should treat everybody that you talk to extremely well. Um, Like one of the things that is one of the worst feelings you can have is when you're at an event and you're talking to someone and you know they're not paying attention to you because they're looking over your shoulder at the person that they actually want to go talk to. <laughs> and, and so we have a temptation as fundraisers to do this. Like we're at an event and we know, oh, there's the really rich person that everybody knows is really rich. And so all we're trying to do is like navigate our way over to them. And then there's this sweet old lady right in front of us or the disheveled, uh, overweight gentleman that wants to talk to us and we're ignoring them Uh, while pretending to care and f- like that's just rude like by itself but then combine into that it's very possible that person has an enormous amount of wealth that nobody knows about and you're just another person that ignores them and so they're not going to not going to want to make a difference with you because you clearly don't care about them.
0: Right. And, you know, I think I think that touches on a point, though, because. If you're if you're drawn to this type of work, if you're drawn to philanthropy, you know, which is a very personal and very. Most of the time, altruistic, you know, yeah. thing thing to connect with. um, most of the time, you know, you're connecting with people for very very true. Very passionate reasons. Yes, we we look, at, you know, at our portfolios and who is has the potential to make the highest impact, you know. But at the end of the day, if someone believes in your organization or they believe in your mission, having that conversation and establishing that relationship with them is just as important. And you never know where it could lead. And I like you. I don't want that to sound opportunistic, but you know, giving so personal and it's it's so meaningful for people sometimes whether that's a dollar whether it's a million dollars it's still yeah. a beautiful thing to be a part of
1: yeah that's so cool man i love that story and this is one day i need to uh make it out to kentucky and i want to see this tree because that is such <laughs> yes. a cool story
0: well i will send you a picture of this tree but we have you in kentucky <laughs>
1: that's awesome that's awesome man um Wow, I don't. I can't even. i I just can't even imagine you have more stories because that was. Both of those were just so cool. Uh, any, well, so there's a few specific ones I can ask for, but any others that come to mind that you'd that you'd like to share?
0: Those two really stand out the most to me. You know, I yeah. mean, there there are other visits that stand out for various reasons: good ones, bad ones, fun ones. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's what I want to get to. <laughs> <laughs> the, but, can, um, but yeah, those two stand out well. Are you willing left
1: to left share left. any of your worst visits? Like something that just went horribly wrong, wish I could take it back kind of thing.
0: <laughs> um, so I was thinking about this a little bit. Um. Some of my worst visits, and there's just one that stands out to me because I think sometimes the worst situation that you can run into isn't that somebody tells you no, it's that they, they leave you hanging, you know, or they say (laughs) yes and then you don't hear from them anymore. (laughs) And, you know, I had, I had one gentleman who I had met with, he had expressed um, some interest in also our neonatal services. And we had met a series of times we had been getting together. I think this was probably our third visit before I asked him for a specific amount. He said, yes, he let me know about some other um, gifts that he had made to other organizations and for various reasons. And, and it was just, it was without a doubt. Yes, this is a verbal agreement. And, um, you know, so, well, when would you like me to follow up with you so that we can establish the next steps? And he said, well, I'll get back to you. Which is Ooh. like the first thing you can hear, right? <laughs> right? You always want to know when or how you can follow up. Um, yeah.
1: Well, when do um, you plan on getting back to me?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll get back to you. Okay. Oh. So I, I gave him some time and then lightly checked in and radio silence so i checked in a couple more times and of course you know you've got to do that delicately because you don't want to ever offend or become that person yeah. that just won't go away
1: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah but, but yeah i'm just completely off the radar at that point
1: man uh yeah yeah i've definitely had that happen a few times uh
0: No, I think, though, sometimes it's helpful for people to know that that's probably one of the worst case scenarios you're going to get. It's not an offended no. It's not somebody just, you know, completely offended by the fact that you're meeting with them or asking them for a donation. It's, It's the ones that never make it clear. I think I would rather have a hard no any day than a I'll get back to you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And and it's funny because a couple things. Yeah. Sometimes people don't like they won't tell us no because they don't want to hurt our feelings or something like it's easier. I'll just let it fizzle out over the next 12 months.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I think they think that's the nicer thing to do, but yeah,
1: yeah. It's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, people, I mean, the thing to keep in mind, anybody, like, especially, you know, you've got a, a lot of young people working on your team. Uh, if someone agrees to visit with you, like, they they know what's happening. They're not.
0: Yes. They're yeah. not
1: going to agree to, vi- like, the number of people, there has only been one time in the over 1,000 1, visits I've been on that I met with somebody and like halfway through the visit realized that they really didn't like care about what we did. Um, and so like it, it, and it was kind of like a, we both knew a ton of the same people. We kept running into each other and he was like, sure, I'll visit with you. But he didn't really care about it. Other than that, like if you, if you work at the hospital or you work at the animal shelter, like you're not going to get somebody that, beats their dog except the visit with the <laughs> animal shelter people like it's, <laughs> and so so they they clearly care about your cause they know what you do for a living they understand ultimately this is going to lead towards philanthropy and so at some point you're going to ask them for a gift and unless they're just kind of like and so it just almost never happens that someone gets upset
0: Right. And I mean, I will say in our line of work, sometimes you meet with people and they've had a negative experience, um, mm-hmm. you know, but even then talking through that, it's always still a starting point. I've never had someone who shared a bad experience that was ready to write us off or, you know, even they tell you no on the phone call. Right. <laughs> if right. they don't want yeah. me to tell you right then. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Like if they were really that mad, they wouldn't agree to visit with you. Like, like they might've had a bad experience and they, they might want to vent, like they might want to meet with you so they can just like tell you how upset they are for an hour. That's possible. I've heard of it happening. Um, but at the end of the day, they're doing that because they care about your mission and your organization so much. And this is their way of like, I got to get this off my chest so we can repair the relationship.
0: Exactly. Um, It's always kind of a first step in, in damage control.
1: Yeah. And and, I mean, one of the things we have to do is just say, I'm sorry a lot. Like that's, that's, that's a, that's a phrase you're going to have to get comfortable with because like you, the organization you work for has screwed things up with individuals and you will make mistakes that will like, Yeah. Like we're all human. We like, I've plenty of times done things that I've had to apologize to our benefactors for just like I have to apologize to family and friends when I mess something
0: up. And I think that's a great point. I mean, at the end of the day, what we do is relationships, right? That's very human. That's no different than your personal relationships, no different than anything else. It's, it's just learning and growing and sometimes saying, I'm sorry. And, and, knowing when and how you need to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Any uh anything ever like particularly funny happen on any of your visits?
0: Yes. Um <laughs> I'm trying to determine if they're <laughs> if they're short <laughs> <enough> to share. <laughs> we'll to just share them
1: and then I'll I'll edit them out if we need to.
0: <laughs> well um you know, I, I did have one, one time, um, a donor I'd been working with. We have a, a very long standing relationship. She's made multiple gifts to our organization, but she is, um, she's, um, you you never know what you're going to get, you know, she's just <laughs> a bit of a loose cannon. <laughs> and, um, one day we had made an arrangement for her to come meet some of our physicians and, and different staff members um, and get to know them and a little bit about some services that they were doing. Get to know them a little bit better. Um, and yeah. we can do that. You know, we'd love to. And she showed up in the middle of the afternoon completely drunk. Oh, God! Completely drunk. <laughs> and there was no hiding it. Um and you know, I'm introducing her to my president. I'm introducing her to my physicians. Um, she said some things that I I don't know that were necessarily PG. And um, oh gosh, <laughs> yeah. When she left, we all just kind of looked at each other, <laughs> and you just don't you don't expect that. Of course, we made sure we made sure she did not leave alone. Um, yeah. Oh gosh. You, you <laughs> Uh, I can't even go into the details of that meeting.
1: <laughs> wow! Wow! Like w- what? T- what time of day was this?
0: This is about two o'clock in the afternoon.
1: <laughs> okay, so she she was winding down, getting ready for uh, for bedtime from a long. Uh...
0: I guess so. It <laughs> took us all by surprise. I mean, you know, again, she's you you never know what you get with her, but <laughs> she's never shown up like that before. So. <laughs> Now, have,
1: <laughs> have you ever uh discussed this event with her in uh since
0: it's you never know what you get in this type of work right every day new day every encounter is very unique
1: so yeah you see like that in itself though is uh might have been stressful in the moment but That's the kind of thing that is just like another reason. Everybody, if you're listening and you're on the fence, get started in major gift fundraising because it is the most, one of the most exciting uh, career paths you can ever take because stuff like this happens and you just never know.
0: (laughs) I know. You know, I think about that sometimes. I'll come home and tell my husband and my kids at dinner, you know, about my day or guess what? This happened, this and that, you know, and they're always like, "Mom, you have you know, the weirdest things happen. And I'm like, (laughs) what what other type of work can you do where you get to be exposed to so many different people, so many different situations? But it it truly is amazing. I feel like you're constantly just learning, you know, from interacting with people because it's very eye-opening, I think.
1: (laughs) Man, well, (laughs) yeah maybe this is why you're so nervous to meet new people. Cause you never know if they're going to show up drunk and verbally abuse you.
0: <laughs> oh, you just never know.
1: Wow. Wow. Well, that is awesome, man. Th- these have been some great stories.
0: <laughs> any,
1: uh, any others you'd like to share, Lauren?
0: You know, I mean, there's only one other one that comes to mind. Um, it, it is very t- touching. It's been very meaningful to me, but um, it is, I think, very unique to healthcare. care um, that I was introduced to a patient. I actually was in my office one day and I'll say we are very fortunate. We have a lot of great physicians who um, know our foundation very well. They understand philanthropy. They're fantastic partners with us. But I was in my office one afternoon and got a phone call from one of our oncologists and said, I have a lady in my office that would like to meet the foundation. And a lot of times we get those calls a lot, and it's usually someone, you know, making a donation in honor and memory, you know, anything like that. Yeah. Um, and I was going over there kind of with that mindset. And when I got there, he introduced me to his patient who, had recently found out that she was terminally ill and she had been battling breast cancer off and on for the last 10 years, various stages, various forms. Um, And they were having the conversations now um, about hospice and, and, you know, kind of those next stages. And they both shared with me that when they started that conversation, the very first thing she said was, I want to leave a legacy for other breast cancer patients. Wow. Yeah and you know i think those are very very powerful words in any conversation but especially upon receiving such you know such news a terminal yeah. diagnosis and that's your first initial thought you know um we worked together with her time was of the essence you know this was something that was very meaningful very important to her and you know, you always want to celebrate with your donors when you can. You want them yeah. to, to see what they can. We worked together quickly to set up an endowment uh, to help other breast cancer patients. Um, but through the course of the next couple of months, you know, we, we got to know each other very well, very fast. And she had had a lot of time for reflection and a lot of thoughts about what she wanted this experience to be for others. And it just, I don't know. That one stands out to me so much just because it, again, it's the ones that sometimes you aren't prepared for. um, But I don't know. It's a nice reminder, I think, sometimes that your organization, you're not the only one out there developing these relationships. You know, your organization is too, And sometimes it's because of the work that they've done even before you're ever introduced, you know, that these patients already know your mission and know what they want to do. Um, So it was very moving. Um, That's probably one of the more meaningful gifts I've been a part of because it was something so deeply personal to her.
1: Wow. That is so cool. That is amazing. I So before I lose this, so (laughs) you were talking earlier about like, meeting with people like your first visit uh like both being in tears uh if (laughs) if people might not know this from the podcast yet but i i'm a very emotional person uh it's very common that i like (laughs) i'm very passionate about a lot of things and like one of the things i want to point out before i lose it is as you were telling these stories and especially this last one um I want everyone listening to know this. Like the, you can tell the reason that you've been successful is because every one of these stories, you are not the important person. Uh, you have played a role to make the benefactor the hero in the story, and this is what great philanthropy officers do: is they just humbly like connect people who have the ability to make a difference with an organization and a need. And they put those things to those two things together and create a beautiful experience for everyone. And so I just want to one, I just want to say thank you for doing an incredible job with that. But then also to all of, to everyone who is like listening to this, especially if you're new you do like Laura has shared. The other thing I love about this is you've shared how going to meet people is like anxiety producing to you. In that first time it is. you do not need to be this like superstar. I love talking to people. I'm just like so awesome. And so whatever. That is not what makes someone good at development. Uh, being able to listen and caring about other people is what it's all about and having passion for the mission. So way to go, Laura and everyone else listening. Like I promise you focus on those qualities and you will be tremendously successful. I I love this episode. You've hit like every amazing category of story that could exist. So thank you.
0: (laughs) Well, Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you.
1: Yeah. So I, I want to get, now that I've gotten what I think was an important thing to say out of the way, I want to ask you a question <laughs> as it relates to, cause you're dealing with a lot of like very emotional situations, people who like this last woman who was dying, maybe people who have lost someone, a loved one at the hospital. And I want to ask you like, what has your experience been in Someone loses a spouse or someone that they care deeply about at the hospital, but they were given incredible care and they have the capacity to make a tremendous difference. How do you navigate like when you go see that person to begin that conversation? Uh, Because I have some thoughts on it, but I don't want to say anything before you respond. But people's fear is... They just lost their spouse. I don't want to bother them with this like seemingly you know uh un I don't know what the word is, like a poor timing of something right. like this. Kind of come yeah. Yeah. Talk about that.
0: Well, um, yeah, so that is a great point. We we're dealing with people at all all points of care. Sometimes it's joyous. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes they lose loved ones. Um, And I've worked with people at at different points, you know, someone who's lost a brother more than a decade ago, or someone who's just lost a parent in the the last few weeks. Um, And what you find more times than not, and I think there are probably even statistics out there, but I can tell you because I've, I've seen it, is that it's really within that first month, those first few weeks, that people are the most drawn to wanting to make an impact with you. I I don't know if that's, I I don't know why that is, but I I feel like in those early days, I mean, there's so much raw gratitude still. It's still fresh to them. And I think that there's a need sometimes for them to be able to do something good in, in memory of someone right away. Yes, yeah, you know, to preserve that memory.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's exactly it. Um, I don't have, <laughs> I don't have this type of experience. I don't work in that in that world, but I'm pretty sure it's in the book Mega Gifts by Jerry Panis, where he describes uh, a very similar like situation where it was it was I think a woman had like lost her husband. And someone approached her like within a week of his passing and, you know, just got through that. Like, Hey, like she really cares about this and now's the time to, to bring it up. And so they had that conversation and she wound up giving, you know, an enormous gift to the hospital. And it's exactly what you said. It's like, it's something about that, that timing. It's like so many times we, as the person asking for the gift, have this, wrong attitude of I'm bothering them or I'm like begging them for money. It's like, no, they just had something tragic happen. But in the midst of that pain, if we can provide them with an opportunity to do something beautiful, uh, that, that is a wonderful thing.
0: It really is. And, you know, we do a lot of studying gratitude in in the healing journey, And and gratitude is, it's very much a part of the process. When someone, when someone comes to our organization, right, it's nine times out of 10, not the best day of their life. Nobody wakes up and they want to come to a hospital. They just don't. Unless they're having a baby. (laughs) 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 But, you know, so when, when people are in your organization, they're scared. It's, it's not an ideal time. Tensions run high. They're anxious. Um, but it's that care, I think, that they receive and that reassurance. Oftentimes, they're grateful for it. And it's that gratitude that that really connects them to, to wanting to do something Um, because it often does help them find joy from their experience. And it often does help them heal faster. Um, we see that a lot. So there's something very cathartic, I think, sometimes about knowing that you can be a part of something bigger than yourself that I think is real. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's incredible. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with the world? Uh
0: (laughs) You know, I, I don't think so. I've listened to so many of your podcasts and, um, you know, I, I see the information you share on LinkedIn and I love all of it. Um, because at the end of the day, I think what we do really I think it was you that said it's hard work, but it's simple. You know, what what we do is simple. We connect with people. That's often harder than it sounds in that you've got to continue doing that. You've always got to fight past the reluctance or the excuses or the day-to-day work that might creep up. But at the end of the day, it's just people connecting to people. And if you share a passion, then what we do is a very natural process.
1: Yeah. That's exactly it. It's, yeah, you got to schedule more visits. Everybody listening, if it's not obvious, every one of these stories happened because Laura got in front of people. Um, This stuff doesn't happen (laughs) uh, outside of a COVID world. It does not happen over the phone or from behind your computer screen. It happens by getting to know people, uh, listening to them at every stage of their life, whether it's baby was saved in the NICU, Uh, They want to have a drunken uh, (laughs) rampage or they want to set up an endowment uh, as they're dying of cancer. All of these things happen through personal connection. And uh, yeah, it's a wonderful job. So thank you. Thank you so much, Laura. This has been one of my favorite episodes and I know everybody's going to love it so much. So thank you.
0: Well, thank you.
1: Talk to you soon.
0: All right. Bye.
1: That was Laura Crowley with Baptist Health Foundation. If you found this episode valuable, please leave a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to stay up to date on the show, you can like One Visit Away on Facebook or connect with me, Kevin Fitzpatrick, on LinkedIn. If you really want to help the show grow, please personally share this episode with other development professionals. I hope Laura's words have inspired you to schedule more visits. After all, you're just one visit away from a seven-figure gift, or more importantly, helping someone do something incredibly important with their wealth, with their last few months left on this earth.